Hi there, I'm Nicolette Reed, and this is EIB Export News. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the APEC Economic Leaders Meeting that happened last month in San Francisco. We'll take a look at some of the outcomes that came from that summit and engage in a little speculation about what the future could bring for the relationships between some of the APEC countries, most importantly, China-U.S. relations. So let's get into it. Let's start off with a little bit of overview on APEC. APEC stands for Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation, and it's a regional economic forum established in 1989 to leverage the growing interdependence of the Asia-Pacific. APEC is the premier platform for the U.S. to advance economic policies in the Asia-Pacific region to promote free, fair, open trade and investments, as well as advance sustainable and inclusive economic growth. APEC has several member countries, some of the most significant including the U.S., China, Japan, Australia, South Korea, and Russia, but there are a total of 21 countries. You are probably already aware why a healthy working relationship with these countries is in our best economic interests, but let me give you some quick numbers just to illustrate that point. The 21 APEC member economies account for nearly 40% of the global population, nearly 50% of global trade, and more than 60% of U.S. goods exports. Additionally, these economies have made impressive direct investments in the United States, estimated at $1.7 trillion, and employing 2.3 million American workers as of 2020. They also represent more than 60% of the world's GDP, and seven of the 10 overall trading partners for the United States are APEC members. So if somebody ever tries to tell you that these kinds of meetings don't really matter, just remember the markets that these countries represent and think if any of them deal with your industry or even your company products or services. Now before we get into this year's APEC meeting and the outcomes that were announced, I want to speak briefly on the background specific to this conference, mainly the background of U.S.-China relations, since that's one of the most important global relationships with some of the most turbulent recent events. On November 15th, just a few days before the APEC summit, President Biden and President Xi Jinping met face-to-face in California. This was a huge step in stabilizing what had been a shaky political environment over the last few years. If you remember, after Speaker Pelosi visited Taiwan in August 2022, China reacted by suspending climate talks with the U.S. and cutting off high-level communication channels between their military and our own. This cutoff was followed up by several worrying military drills and ballistic missile launches from China, prompting an objection from the G7 group for what they called, quote, aggressive military activity, end quote. In response to these actions, the U.S. responded with a government-wide economic restriction. This was followed up by the Commerce Department's Bureau of Industry and Security implementing a sweeping array of new export controls on advanced computing and semiconductor manufacturing items to China, directly impacting all of us in the export compliance sectors. If you want the extensive details on what those new policies were, we have a previous podcast episode that goes into depth on those changes. But export controls weren't the only area of change. 
The U.S. also turned its focus into improving and expanding our own domestic semiconductor industry and on acquiring new partnerships with other countries like the Taiwanese semiconductor plant that is currently being constructed in Arizona. Biden and Xi met again in Indonesia in November 2022 and expressed desires to ease tensions between our two nations. But then in February 2023, we had the famous Chinese spy balloon incident, and that tanked any goodwill that might have been building, prompting our government to cancel a trip from Secretary of State Blinken to Beijing. This was the backdrop to the face-to-face meeting in California. What we actually got from that meeting was a rundown of the usual diplomacy talking points with some interesting segments that I'll briefly go over. According to the White House briefing room's readout of the meeting, the two leaders had a, quote, candid and constructive discussion on a range of bilateral and global issues, end quote. One area of importance was our emphasis combating the illicit drug manufacturing and trafficking of synthetic drugs, including fentanyl, which has become a serious issue in American society and politics. The White House statement also says that China and the U.S. will be resuming bilateral cooperation in this area and, quote, establish a working group for ongoing communication and law enforcement coordination, end quote. We also reached an agreement to resume the high-level military communications that had been severed between our countries, as I mentioned previously. Don't worry, they didn't forget about us here in the export compliance world either. One of the issues that President Biden reportedly brought up was our continued concerns about the People's Republic of China's unfair trade policies, non-market economic practices, and punitive actions against U.S. firms, which harm American workers and families. The president emphasized that the United States will continue to take necessary actions to prevent advanced U.S. technologies from being used in such a way to undermine our own national security without unduly limiting trade and investment. And now, to bring us back full circle to APEC, President Biden underscored the United States' support for a free and open Indo-Pacific that is connected, prosperous, secure, and resilient. Resilience, a sentiment echoed by APEC this year with the theme of creating a resilient and sustainable future for all. There's a lot of speculation as to why President Xi might have felt pressured to meet with President Biden this past month before the APEC summit, which I won't get into. What's more important is that the meeting happened. In fact, it might have been even overshadowed slightly by the APEC meeting that happened just a few days later. Will anything substantial actually come out of those meetings? We'll have to wait and see. But with all of that background in mind, let's switch over to our next area of focus, which is the APEC conference and some of the outcomes that came out of it. Outcomes promoted by APEC and our own government. APEC promised to continue to address chokeholds in their APEC Supply Chain Connectivity Framework Action Plan. They also reaffirmed their commitment to keep markets open and to address supply chain disruptions. They will work on port and border cooperation and single window interoperability, including exploring the use of new technologies and innovative solutions to improve and simplify port clearance and customs procedures. Another telling statement is that they said they are committed to promoting intellectual property rights through policies and programs that advance innovation and creativity. If you've been following along with the China and U.S. relations, you know that intellectual property rights are an area of contention. The climate also received lots of attention in both statements released by APEC and the U.S. specifically. 
with APEC reaffirming their commitments to sustainable use and management of natural resources and many of their own commitments containing language for responsible environmental policies, including their statement on the digital economy, where APEC encouraged economies to intensify efforts to accelerate digital transformation and interoperability, strengthen capacity building, promote digitalization of trade procedures through developing and implementing paperless trade facilitation measures and enhanced digital literacy and skills to build workforce capacity in the digital age. Another area of note in APEC statements was their section on corruption. If you listened to our previous podcast episode, you know that the United States government is also taking a hard look at corporate crime and creating new policies going forward to combat it. So it was a welcome sight to see APEC taking the issue seriously as well. Their statement included that they welcome the framework for APEC anti-corruption thematic areas 2023 through 2026 to further advance APEC's anti-corruption and transparency agenda and to further facilitate the implementation of the UN Convention Against Corruption. They also reaffirmed their commitment to deny safe haven to corruption offenders and their illicit assets in according with domestic laws, and that they support the APEC network of anti-corruption authorities and law enforcement agencies. The United States released its own outcomes in a State Department briefing, stating that the U.S. was able to guide APEC to commit to pursuing efforts to, quote, triple renewable energy capacity globally through existing targets and policies, as well as demonstrate similar ambition with respect to other zero and low emissions technologies, including abatement and removal technologies in line with domestic circumstances by 2030. Food security also was an important topic this year at APEC, and an emphasis was placed on agricultural biotechnology. For the U.S.'s part, the USDA launched a new food security dashboard, which provides policymakers with information on the role of trade in food security and provides guidance on which foods are needed and how to get those foods to countries in need. In the digital realm, the United States helped establish the Global Cooperation Agreement for the Privacy Enforcement, also known as CAPE, C-A-P-E, bringing APEX cooperation in privacy enforcement through the APEC Cross-Border Privacy Enforcement Arrangement, CPEA, to the global stage. This means that while these new technologies are rising and communication becomes easier, our government's commitment to privacy enforcement is rising as well. Dr. Scott Kennedy, the Senior Advisor and Trustee Chair in Chinese Business and Economics at the Center for Strategic and International Studies, described the APEC meeting this way, I think the U.S. got a lot out of this meeting, even though a lot of it was symbolic. The symbolic things matter. The various dialogues on mill-to-mill, on artificial intelligence, more flights, help on fentanyl, the joint announcement on more ambitious climate goals, and an agreement to restart negotiations to extend the U.S.-China Science and Technology Agreement. Big events of these kind are used to show the direction countries are aligning themselves for the future more than anything else. What we see between ourselves and China is a slight stabilization of more turbulent times and a reopening of cordial communication while acknowledging pressing issues between our countries. What we see from APEC is a commitment to creating a resilient and sustainable future for all, meaning a focus on fair and open trade with emphasis on widespread prosperity. Pay attention to how these new directions can impact your industry, and if they do, 
make sure that you're prepared. And as always, if you have any questions about export compliance and how you can better protect your business, we at EIB are here to make things easier for you. You can reach us on the web at www.eib.com or give us a call at 978-256-0438. We're here to help with a multitude of export compliance needs, training, and support. Thank you and have a great day. My name is Nicolette. I'm from EIB. I was your host. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next month, but until then, remember, export compliance, it's the law. We make it simple.